Welcome to the Air Force Podcast. I'm Tech Sergeant Josh Rosales. Before Congressman Sam Johnson, a representative from Texas, entered political office, he served 29 years in the U.S. Air Force. As a fighter pilot, he did everything from co-authoring the Air Tactics Manual at the Air Force Fighter Weapons School to soaring with the Thunderbirds and even flying combat missions during the Korean and Vietnam War. After his aircraft was shot down over North Vietnam, Johnson was held as a prisoner of war for nearly seven years. After retiring from the Air Force in 1979, he was elected to the Texas House of Representatives in 1984 and assumed his current office as the U.S. Representative for Texas's 3rd Congressional District in 1991. In January of 2017, Johnson announced he would not run for re-election in 2018. On this episode of the Air Force Podcast, we talked to Representative Johnson about his legendary Air Force career and his thoughts on the Air Force today as he prepares to leave his seat in Congress. The Air Force Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, sir. To start off, can you just tell me what it was like going through ROTC during World War II? Well, we had an armory in the basement of the high school, and every male student was uh, a mandatory ROTC. And, uh, you know, we uh, had summer camp out at Fort Walters in in Texas, and uh, we were out there two summers while I was in school. Uh, And they... uh, taught us uh, boxing. We had to get in the boxing ring with uh, another guy and uh, taught us to shoot rifles. And uh, So they uh, taught y'all to shoot, was that live ammunition? Uh, not there. Uh, yes, it was, too. Yeah, it was. Well, that's kind of a different time. You kind of don't see high schools with live ammunition too much now, right? Well, it was at, uh, we, we had a, a gunnery range in the basement of the high school, too. Oh, wow. When the war started, it became mandatory for every male student at uh, high school in Dallas to be in ROTC. And uh, uh, so I was company J commander. <laughs> That tells you how many we had, uh, and and we kept we kept rifles and ammunition in the basement of the high school. How many, uh, I guess, were in your company? Uh, probably, uh, oh, it was normal size, so it was around a hundred. Wow. So, do you think that kind of helped you out, um, kind of set you up for success with leadership? I think so, yeah. After high school, you went to SMU, to Southern Methodist University? Yeah, um, yeah. Did you continue to do ROTC there? Yes, I did. How was that? Well, it was good. It was Air Force ROTC, and uh, that uh, triggered me to get in the Air Force, obviously. But uh, uh, ROTC was kind of mandatory at that time. And that was during the war, correct? Yes, um, and the Korean War broke out while you were still at SMU. Um, your ROTC class was actually activated? Yes. Uh, actually, they activated all the ROTC guys that were eligible, uh, old enough, in other words. And uh, uh, I decided I wanted to go to flying school, applied and got it. Uh, and uh, that's how I got to flying school. Two of us from... Uh, 
SMU went to flying school together, and uh, uh, that's where I met uh, Buzz Aldrin, too, in flying school. In fact, he and I were students of the same instructor. That's awesome, sir. Uh, what was it like knowing Buzz, going through flight school with him? Well, uh, <laughs> no different than anybody else. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, you know, at that point in life, uh, he had already decided he was wanting to go to the moon. and uh, uh, <laughs> He decided that early on? He decided it early on, yeah. Is it kind of like how you decided to be a fighter pilot? Like that you Were you dead set on being a fighter pilot, or were bombers a question? No, no, fighters. Uh, we had no idea of being in a bomber. Uh, we were both uh, uh, wanting to be in fighters, so we went through flying school, uh, three different bases where we trained to be <clears throat> to fly fighters and then went to Korea and uh, we were flying F-86s over there. You also knew John Glenn? How was that? Did you fly with him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Glenn was a great guy and uh, was a great friend and uh, 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 obviously he uh, went on to do great things too. And, uh, you know, it's just, I guess uh, throughout my career, I've been fortunate to know a lot of guys that have uh, succeeded, and uh, actually that's what it's all about. I know you also have some, I guess, some pretty interesting stories with Buzz of what's putting rats in tailpipes. What was that about? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, the F-86... Uh, uh, <clears throat> we tried to soup them up and uh, ran them as hot as we could, uh, the engines, because you get more thrust that way. And uh, we put rats in the tailpipe, which uh, those are, are pieces of metal about like that. And uh, it just narrows the uh, circumference and diameter of the tailpipe and makes it come makes the air come out hotter and gives you more thrust wow so uh, uh everybody was doing that and uh, uh you know you just getting that extra fastest power fastest airplane and uh, <laughs> uh we had them now you were also buzz's flight commander at one point well, yeah, he, when we first got to Korea, he and I went all the way through flying school together, uh, basic, advanced, and gunnery school, and then went to Korea together. And when we got there, they made me a flight commander and put Buzz under me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... He didn't like that. <laughs> um, but he, he still honored you and looked up to you, right? Did he wear your POW bracelet when he went to the moon? Yes, he did. And uh, Buzz and I are still friends and talk to each other occasionally, even now. I um, actually listened to your book, and I remember one part where you talked about he said he was looking down at Southeast Asia when he was coming back, and he was just thinking about you. Yeah, when I was, that was when I was in prison camp over there. Yeah, so, I mean, it had to be kind of pretty special to see that in the book, or his book, right, when yeah. he wrote that note for you? yeah. That's awesome. Um, you also had a, a MIG kill in Korea, correct? Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and how that went down? 
Well, uh, I shot at a lot of them. I had a kill, a probable, and a damage, but uh, uh, the kill was uh, uh, in the uh, on the Yalu River, and uh, I caught him down low and caught, got him from behind, and uh, he didn't have a chance. <laughs> he probably didn't have a chance because of the name of the plane you were flying, correct? <laughs> well, <laughs> that may be true, but... Uh, uh, you know, uh, being able to uh, shoot at an airplane and and make it go down is uh, uh, kind of thrills. And not only that, but you're flying Shirley's Texas Tornado. Yes, that's, uh, that's the F-86. name I had painted on the side of the airplane, and that was my wife. Um, were you you were close to running out of gas at the same time? No, I did on the way home. Uh, I climbed to uh, 40,000 feet and uh, uh, had about 50 pounds left, which is nothing. And uh, I shut the engine down and glided for about 80 miles back to uh, Kempo, which is the airfield north of us, and started the engine up and landed and taxied into the gas pump and flamed out. You, did you filled it back up, and I took the airplane back home. <laughs> did you get in trouble for that? No, because I shot down a MiG. <laughs> there you go, right? As long as you do something good. Right? That's awesome. I, yeah. So um, after the Korean War, you became a Thunderbird pilot. Um, what yeah. positions do you fly in? What plane? I flew solo and slot. I flew solo for a year and then moved into slot when the slot man uh, retired. And... Uh, Flew that for a year. Uh, that was uh, we flew all over the United States, probably in nearly every 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 air base uh, in the country, and went to South America twice. Uh, and you have an interesting story about how you would open up those air shows, correct? Well, when I was flying solo, I used to open the show with a sonic boom, uh, faster than the speed of sound, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, until uh, we did a show at, in Mississippi right on the river down there or near the coast. And uh, uh, it was on the coast, I guess, and I, I broke every uh, window on the waterfront and uh, cost the Air Force about $100,000, and they said, don't do that anymore. <laughs> no more sonic booms. So <laughs> Was Not, it, were those building you know, you windows? You got to be and, careful about how you could do a sonic boom, but you had to be careful about how you did it. And uh, uh, because we used to open the air show with a sonic boom, catch everyone's attention. Yeah, I think more fun than anything was flying in New York City, and uh, uh, I turned on the smoke and flew a circle around the Empire State Building at the observation deck level, and. Uh, <laughs> they said, don't do that anymore either. <laughs> so you have to do a lot of things, huh? <laughs> well, you do what you got to do. Yeah. And I think we got a great Air Force. Our Air Force is probably the best in the world. Uh, I think it's going to stay that way. Sounds like you had a really good time doing the Thunderbirds. Oh, listen, that was a great tour. It was good duty. And I think we did a good job for the Air Force and... It was a recruiting tool, obviously, for the Air Force, and uh, it worked.
Did you write some manuals while you were with the uh, with the Thunderbirds? Did you write flying manuals? <laughs> well, I did that when I was uh, in uh, at Nellis in uh, training analysis and development. I w that's where I was based, and John Boyd, who was in uh, R and D in the fighter weapons school, he and I got together and, uh, and wrote the training gunnery manual that is still in effect today. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, I heard you were involved with preparations for an attack? Oh, well, I was at Nellis, of course, at the time, and they sent me down there uh, to help form the Air Force uh, response uh, to the Cuban crisis. Uh, the Russians had uh, missiles set up on a mountain down there facing the United States, and uh, you could actually see it from our side. But uh, uh, because I was involved in that, we had nearly every fighter in the Air Force uh, down there for that. We were going to blow Cuba off the map if they did anything. And uh, 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 I decided, uh, you know, they wanted me to go down there and and take care of uh, one of the bases in Cuba when we went in. And uh, so I, to do that, they were going to jump us in. And so I went through jump school, uh, parachute training. And uh, uh, when I got out of, out of jump school, well, they let us pick airplanes. We picked uh, uh, five airplanes that we were going to take down there and uh, uh, take over an air base in uh, eastern Cuba. And uh, was uh, oh, 50, 60 miles east of Havana. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, uh, they were gonna jump a, an army battalion in there and uh, uh, jump us in to run the Air Force from there. Uh, so we trained for that, and they let me pick an airplane out, and uh, actually I went through jump school at Fort Bragg uh, because of that, because we were going to jump in. And uh, uh, we were uh, in Florida at the time, just waiting for the... Uh, now, could you see something Russian from Florida? Is that what I understand? You were seeing uh, Russian guns on the hill? Oh yeah, you could see them on the hill down there pointing at us. And uh, they were on a hill. And uh, it was kind of... Give you that sense of anxiety or... Sir? Uh, give you that sense of realness that it's they're right there? They're there, the yeah. All they had to do was, well, they, they were nuclear uh, tip uh, missiles that uh, they were aimed right at Florida, and we had every airplane in the Air Force down there practically, and uh, uh, we wiped out Nellis Air Force Base, which is where I was based, actually, uh, and we sent all our airplanes down there and had them all loaded with nu nuclear bombs. Uh, it, was a, it was a tense situation, to say the least, and... Uh, of course, the uh, Russians backed down uh, when they saw what we were doing. And, uh, but uh, I had been to Cuba before 
that event. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun down there then. Uh, but uh, uh, we were going to fly, uh, drop, parachute in and take over an air base in uh, uh, southeast Cuba. And uh, uh, we were going to land a bunch of fighters down there. And I was going to run on so, base. So speaking about uh, talking about nukes, I heard you had some interesting uh, tests for the Air Force that involved nukes. Oh, yeah, I've seen them five different nuclear blasts and flew through one of them and uh, an airburst that just to test the airplane to see what effect it had on it. And, uh, you know, people said, why did you do that? That didn't seem scary to me. It's just another cloud. And, uh, uh, but when I landed back at Nellis, they uh, parked me out in the South 40 and came up with, uh, told me not to get out of the airplane. They came up with four fire trucks and sprayed the airplane down and then, to wash uh, it and then I could get out of it. But Decon. I've seen a lot uh, that guys haven't had a chance to uh, be involved in, but I've seen uh, four nuclear explosions out there in a the test, test site. Now, did you get to watch one with your wife as well? Yeah, I watched one of them from Mount Charleston, which we had a... Uh, uh, R&R camp up on top of the hill. It's about five miles away. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea they were going to do that test at that point, but they did, and we watched it. So you're there, there on R&R, and then just yeah. the next thing you know, a nuke's going yeah. off. That's yeah, different times. Uh, you've done and seen a lot. Is there anything you weren't supposed to that you've seen? Or... Well, uh, SR-71, I saw the first one uh, take off out of Indian Springs Air Force Base, and you weren't supposed to know that it was there or see it. And uh, uh, they made me land there and swore me to secrecy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where were you stationed during your time in the Air Force? Um, well, mostly at Nellis. Uh, uh, you know, I went through flying school, and... Bartow, Florida, and uh, Bryan Air Force Base, Texas, and and Nellis Air Force Base, and and then Korea. So uh, I was in those places, but spent most of my time after that at Nellis in uh, 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 training, analysis, and development. I was running it, and uh, John Boyd was in uh, fighter weapons school, running TR&D there. And uh, the two of us got together and, and uh, wrote a couple of manuals and, you know, uh, experimented with a few bombs. <laughs> um, so you were also in Homestead? Where, where was that? Homestead? It's Miami. It's Miami? So did you experience... Uh, south of Miami, south. actually. You had a little experience on the runway there? Well, so, what do you mean? Uh, some lobsters or... <laughs> well, we had uh, uh, a deployment up in, uh, oh, gee, where was it? Massachusetts, I guess. And uh, uh, we kept two airplanes on alert up there all the time from Homestead. And uh, uh, so I found out that we could get lobsters up there and 
haul them back on our C-130 that came back with the change of crews. And uh, <clears throat> our, uh, our guys would meet them at the airplane and get their lobsters, <laughs> you know. That, that was yeah. neat. Uh, except that uh, the C-130 crashed on a runway at, before takeoff and all the lobsters were scattered all over the damn runway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never heard the end of that. But uh, uh, we scraped them all up, got the runway cleared up, and uh, uh, I uh, figured out we could... Uh, put them in a 600-gallon tank and bring them back to the homestead, so we kept doing it. Sounds they like wouldn't put them on a C-130 anymore. <laughs> Sounds like some good eating, sir. That is, and those main lobsters are great. So over nearly three decades in the Air Force, um, what were the, your favorite planes to fly, and why did you like them? Oh, gee, well, I liked the F-86, obviously. And uh, I flew the P-51 a couple of times. I loved that airplane. And I liked the F-100 and the 105 and the F-15 and the F-16. I've flown all those. And uh, uh, that's good, clean fun. Do you like any of these uh, new planes that have come around? Well, like sure. the 22 like or the 35? Yeah. Have you got to see any up close? And Sir? Have you got to see any up close? The F-35? Uh, yeah, I've been close to a couple of them, but uh, I like that airplane. I think it's a good airplane. And uh, it's got range, you know. Fighters didn't have much range early on, and uh, they've kind of changed that now. You can put extra tanks on them and damn near fly them anywhere you want to today. Yeah. Uh, I know that um, you got to be the commander a couple of bases too, right? How was, how was that being the commander? Where? You, uh, you got to be the wing commander a couple of bases? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Holloman, for starters, that was probably one of the best uh, experiences I've had because uh, we did a lot of testing out there and uh, uh, the weather was always good so you could do a lot of flying. Sir, I really have no other questions for you. I really thank you for taking this time, for spending this time with me and talking a little bit about your career and where you've been. Um, if you don't mind, what are some of the things that you've done in office that have helped the Air Force? Or well, uh, we're trying to keep it afloat, you know. People want to cut the Air Force to nothing, and uh, uh, I think I've been helpful in keeping it going and, and procuring new aircraft and uh, uh, modernizing the fleet. Uh, which we're still doing, as you know. Uh, people think bombers are the only answer to flying, and uh, that's not true. It's hard to keep them focused on uh, the fact that you need fighters to support them. And uh, uh, 
I don't know where we're going now. It uh, maybe you could tell me. <laughs> yeah, everything's always changing. Um, how was it seeing? I mean, when you first joined the Air Force, the Air Force had been around for maybe three years. How is it seeing it now? Well, um, it's big change, mainly in the equipment, but uh, we've got more bases scattered around too that uh, make it a stronger force too. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, and uh, our capability to uh, go long distance, in other words, uh, you know, we can go from here to Asia or here to Europe uh, nonstop with air refueling. And uh, uh, so I think the United States is a force to be reckoned with, and uh, uh, people need to know that. Uh, you know, when it comes to protecting freedom and the things that we uh, adhere to, uh, we're going to do it. All right, sir, that's that's all I got. I mean, if you have well, anything listen, else. Listen, I love the Air Force, and it's a great outfit, and uh, uh, keep them flying. Roger that, sir. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. It. God bless you. The Air Force Podcast.